Welcome to the Jackie Service Show. I'm Jackie Service, where we are talking all things people strategy, entrepreneurship, and how hiring the right humans will unlock the next phase of growth in your business. As a former corporate VP of HR, my life completely shifted when I learned I had a brain tumor. From this moment forward, I knew that there was more. I dove headfirst into healing, mindset work, and spirituality. And from this space, my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Are you confused about hiring? You're not alone. Majority of leaders struggle to figure out who they need, in what roles, and when, and how these people will have the greatest impact on the growth of their business. This is why we created People Strategy Sessions to do a deep dive into your business and help you build a clear roadmap on the talent you need to drive sustainable growth. We dive into your greater why, where you are today in your business, where you want to go in your business from a growth standpoint, and ultimately, who do you need to enable that growth overall? For more information, please send an email to Jackie at JackieService.com or feel free to reach out at JackieService across all platforms. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. And you are in for a good one today. I am so honored and excited to introduce you to a friend of mine, a soul sister of mine, and frankly, a mentor of mine who has helped me as I have grown and scaled my business as an executive coach and somebody who I have leaned on deeply in my own journey. Miss Kareen Welsh, welcome to the show. Yay, Jackie. So great to be here. I am so excited to dive into all of the topics today um, and specifically to just bring your zone of genius of really helping unlock leadership and really helping leaders think differently about how to show up themselves, but also how to, looking at your book in the background there, lead with value and really bring that to the forefront of how they think about establishing and developing teams. So we'll dive into lots of different topics, but let's start with the quote unquote simple question, which is, just your background and your journey and what led you to doing the work you do today? Simple question, complex answer. (laughs) Always. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all the years, right? So what led me to what I do today to try to summarize it, it first came from like the inner calling through all the hard that just do what really lights you up and figure out how to earn from doing that. Right. Which is kind of how I define the zone of genius for myself and individuals, but how I discovered that I'd say a lot of tripped up failures and um, wrong turns along the way to get there. So initially in starting my career life um, in my twenties post college, and actually I've been working since I was 13, but I, found that if I didn't climb a corporate ladder, because that's all I knew at that time, 
and try to be the highest paid at the fastest speed (laughs) possible, then I wasn't um, able to find financial freedom as I thought it would be back then um, to have the life I wanted. So I I was really driven, uh, career goal oriented, climb the ladder. I went from, I hit a glass ceiling at 23. So imagine one year out of college in my second job out of college, and then trying to figure out a growth plan after doing way more than my job asked me to do with a new leader that had taken me on, you know, had inherited me. Right. So she came in new and then my team went under her. And in that conversation, she telling me at 23, I don't know what you're complaining about when I was just telling her, look, this is what I was hired for shortlist. This is what I am actually doing two page list. You know, Mm -hmm. can you help me understand what my growth plan is here so that I can figure out, you know, what's next? Like there's, there's a a disparity here. Like, what are we going to do about it? And she literally said, I don't know what you're complaining about. What you're doing is your job. Just keep doing it was her response to me. Mm. And I was like, Oh, hell no. (laughs) How did that go? (laughs) You know, those moments where you're like, wow, that was a big fat door slammed in my face when I am trying to figure out and have this value of mine of growth at that time, growth was what I valued the most in any Mm -hmm. company I wanted to work for. At least I knew that if there wasn't a growth path for me, then I probably should look for something else, you know, or, or find another company that will allow me to grow. And I always coach my clients now to exercise as much as you can in the system you're in before leaving it, because maybe there's other opportunities, but sometimes that system is just a closed door and you need to see that realistically to then go after what it is that you want. And at 23, I was ballsy, had nothing to lose, right? I was still making like baseline salary, but I had climbed in this company. I at least excelled in my skill set. And then I just had pride in my value of growth. So I was like, all right. She told that conversation was on a Thursday that Monday I resigned. And cause I also, my health was suffering for that job. I was overextending mm. myself so much and I really didn't feel valued. So gave in my resignation, not knowing where I was going to go next, figured out that I had enough money aside to carry a few months and like begged my roommate to help me out if I needed it <laughs> at the time. And then, you know, it took a few months for me to find the next opportunity, but that company that I joined, you better believe one of their core values had to be growth for me to say yes to it. And it's exactly what happened. In five years, I went from a business analyst position to a director of mergers and acquisitions Mm -hmm. in five years, right? And then I found out that in that first year, when I joined that new company, that the former boss at the old company replaced me with not one person, but two people to do what I was doing for them and paid them twice as much. And I was like, I know I made the right decision because she would have never given me the opportunity that I got in the next company, but also valued, her values were different than mine. So that growth plan in the beginning really taught me to never let the limitations of others become my own that move to the next company and always trust my value system in order to navigate my career. 
And when I when I decided to resign from that next position as the director of mergers and acquisition, that was mainly a life decision where I was like, okay, I've now busted my butt for my career, but I have no life really. My health isn't that great still, <laughs> and I need to pause and slow down and take care of myself. And I felt like I had enough skill set where I could go and basically pimp myself out <laughs> as a consultant and um, find a better arena to live. Uh, so I moved to Colorado. I was living in San between San Francisco and Manhattan at the time, and then happened to be in Colorado for my job where we took over a company there. And then they relocated me back to San Francisco and I didn't want to live in San Francisco again. So that was also lifestyle wise, wasn't a fit for that role. And then I also looked above me at the executives and I didn't want to be them. I didn't want to play those roles because that would have been the next step of growth for me. So I decided to see what it would feel like to be a little bit more entrepreneurial and use myself as the commodity and put myself in the market. In the meantime, I, before I resigned, I bought a house because, you know, you need a job. It's much easier if you have a job to get a mortgage. Sure <laughs> so, is. Entrepreneur <laughs> 101. Take I that know. to note. Yeah. Note, if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're employed right now and you want to buy a house, do it while you're employed. It takes two years of tax returns as a, your own entity, your own self-employment um, before you can actually qualify for a mortgage in case you didn't know that. That's a nice side note for y'all. <laughs> so hot tip. <laughs> yeah. Luckily I, I didn't, I don't know if I even knew that as much as I wanted to, I knew that having a salary job would get me an easier mortgage. And this was pre 2008, where they were kind of dealing mortgages out real easy <laughs> here in the US. So yeah, anyway, I took advantage, <laughs> bought my house in Colorado. And then a few months later, I think I bought my house in August. I think in October, I resigned. The company asked for me to stay. So they paid me a little extra to stay longer. And then um, by the end of that year, I was Colorado based and I was going to figure it out. So I traveled a little bit and then I started my own hunt. I felt like a big fish in a small pond at that time. Denver was not what it is today. And I hustled my relationships and found some contract work. And I was able to get paid the same that I was getting out of San Francisco and New York as a contractor. And then I had my life back. Mm. Like I had more control of how I spent my time. And I picked work that was not as intense as what I was doing as a leader of mergers and acquisitions. Um, so that I could just focus on my life, my life and my health. And that was really helpful. So that's what started my first stint of consulting self-employment work. And then, um, yeah, took me on a journey to finding, um, my husband who, you know, was living on the East coast and then had me moving back to the East coast. I've moved across this country, Jackie, like 14 times. It's, pretty ridiculous. Like I really do think I should have invested in a moving company because with growth sometimes comes a change of environment. Yeah. And, and when you, when you have a value system that's based around growth and I'm a explorer in heart and I, I like to wander and also, and I can build relationships wherever I go, moving companies would be a great thing that I should have invested in. <laughs> Rain's moving company. I mean, seriously. Next like, business I, idea. I mean, <laughs> I can't even tell you the thousands of dollars for each move I've done 
across the country. Anyway, it's just part of my nature. I like packing things up, purging, moving to a new place. That's why I have a camel painting on my wall. You can't see it, but it's to the right of me. It just reminds me of my Bedouin blood. Like we, we wander. Mm. <laughs> so that led to me going back actually to become an executive in a company when I moved back East, because it was, and again, I became a small fish, fish in a very large pond when it came to consulting work. And I, and I also wanted to focus on relationship. And I felt like going back to a job, um, working for someone else's company, then allowed me the flexibility of a life outside of the hustle of like trying to find the next gig and building my business and all the things. So I did executive work again. I also missed leading, leading mm -hmm. others. At that time, I was craving it again. I missed having a team. I missed the dynamics of coaching people upwards. And um, I had done career coaching in that stint of self-employment for others, but I really missed like the leadership coaching of delivering complex things and making others really master their craft. Mm. So that was a fun, I think I did that for about three years um, into my marriage. And um, it was, it was a good experience. We, it was different startups in e-commerce land and communication. So I got new experience on someone else's dime, as I like to say and built up teams and um every role i'm in i'm always excelling and because i don't know how to turn that off growth is is now innate to me um where i was able to have that impact and so it was a lot of fun but then in 2012 i decided to leave that again and start my own business and then that's what's I, what i've been running since 2012 is what i have today revampologist initiated first as um, a co coaching and consulting uh, arena that was just me for the good portion of the beginning of it, um, going in and out of client sites, doing agile transformation or leadership coaching, executive coaching. And then I expanded past myself in 2017 uh, to have the consulting side done by others mainly, and then uh, really hone in on strategic advisement and business growth strategy and leadership growth, because that's the fun space I love to play. And that's what I do today. And it's where you're, for me, looking from the outside in, um, having had a chance to work with you and then yeah. work alongside you, it's, it's just such your gifting, the ability to go in and look at all different organizations, like none of the organizations you have worked with in my lens have been the same. And you're able to go in anyways and break them down and build them back up in terms of really what is the kind of end in mind and what, how do, how do the founders and leaders actually want to create this business? What's the mission? What do they stand for? It's something that I've always admired about you in terms of how you're able to go and take what feels like a thousand puzzle pieces and figure out how they all merge together or if we need to just get rid of those puzzle pieces and get some new ones on the board and, and kind of co-create or recreate something. Um, so I love that about what you're doing today with, with different founders really across the country and likely globally at this point now. Yeah, you're definitely yeah. working with Canadians. I know that yeah. much. <laughs> and, and, and UK folks. Yeah. Like the, the global, the global platform, the global aspect is an interesting one for sure. Uh, but what you're talking about What's funny to me is that I, there are fundamentals and foundational 
structures for every single business out there. The main difference are, is the who you have in the mix to get it all done. So that's why like my lens, especially from my years of mergers and acquisitions, like you had to go and really like pick apart a, a company and be like, what parts fit with the parent company? What's totally different? How do we streamline them? Who comes, who stays? Like I learned that so young and I didn't realize like while I was in it, that that was a unique skill set, you know, like mm -hmm. that to see a business from all its aspects and then say, wait, where are you trying to go? Like, what's the destination? What's the strategy? What, why are you all coming together in the first place? Like, what are we trying to do here to then realign the people process, the tech and the leadership for that strategic goal? Um, I, yeah, it, it sometimes feels like a beautiful mind type stuff where I, you give me a whiteboard and a marker and we're, we're having at it. Like, what we're are we breaking down races. today? I freaking yeah. love it. Yeah, so it is, it is wild. Um, but I do, you're right. It, it's now uh, innate to me mm -hmm. for sure. How I, I feel see that. It. Yeah. I feel yeah. it and see it. And I'm so curious when founders come to you and we were hosting more founders on the show recently to tell their story and to talk about their own experiences of building companies. What's so interesting about the role you play is you get to go and touch so many different businesses and work with so many different founders. And so I'm sure you see different trends or different kind of sentiment that comes through for most founders that are growing and scaling different phases, different stages, of course, but I'm really curious to get your insight and observations around when founders come to you, one, why are they coming to you and what are they saying they're struggling with most? I mean, the struggle is different across each founder because of their own experience and, and their desired outcome, right? Like that's unique to each one. So the common theme I see is that they do not take enough of a pause to check in with themselves as they're doing, right? Like we are masters of doing when you're entrepreneurial or you're running a business, like you just got to get it done, right? Like, and there's this pressure, just get it done. Like, well, sometimes you just got to pause. <laughs> And I think founders don't pause early enough in the doing to assess, are, am I on the right track? Is this actually where I should be spending my time? Is there someone else that I should be bringing in that is actually better at this to make this even easier so I can go do what I'm really good at? Does my market really need what I have to offer? You know, it's all these assessments that... Um, the in the ability of the pause, but also working with a third party like me or engaging me where I'm this lens of it's okay that it's not okay. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, like there's a lot of handholding that happens when entrepreneurs come to me or founders, leaders of industry, when they're questioning everything, but they can't tell anybody that they're questioning everything because they feel like it's going to hurt their credibility in the market or their team will leave them because they're showing some sign of weakness or feeling that they're betraying their investors because they really have no clue. And I would just, if any of you are listening and this is speaking to you, it's okay to pause and ask yourself these questions because you'll go 10 times further faster if you just assess where you are, why you're feeling this way, why you're feeling disconnected from what you're doing or questioning if, if it is the right direction, 
and um, get a clearer map in place to get you to the destination that you want to get to. But that's mainly the common thing I see, Jackie. It's like, you don't pause soon enough. You wait until something's broken, completely broken, and you're at your wits end and an overwhelm before um, you have an opportunity to fix it, like, or to shift course. Because it's not really, you know, broken yet is where where I'd like to catch people. Some people do come to me and they're on fire, you know, and we're like, okay, sometimes it is, sometimes it is acute care. Do these three things. This is what I see the, the ruptures becoming. Let's stop. We got to stop this, stop this, start this. And I'm more of an advisor in that regard to get them out of their own way. But truly, if they're going to continue to be in that driver's seat, they have to get clearer about their skill set, their zone of genius and how they need to lead the initiative that they're trying to get off the ground. Mm. When you talk about defining a leader's zone of genius, can you share a little bit more about whether it's an exercise or questions you ask to unpack that? I see so often where I would agree with you. It feels like founders take on the role of all of the things and feel like their responsibility lands on their shoulders. And I see founders that are, you know, the CFO, the CEO, and the COO all at the same time. And although they're quote unquote doing it, are they really qualified or is that their zone of genius is always a question I have as well. How do you help decipher like where they should be spending their time? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it comes out. So, you know, I do the, the two hour, my VIP like strategy sessions, right. Where I'm trying to reignite your role in your business. And one of the key things that I ask and try to make sure I understand is what is their zone of genius? What lights them up? And the way I describe zone of genius, because I think everyone has a different way of defining it. But to me, the most important factor to figure out what your zone of genius is, is what fills you up the most. People forget fulfillment and they look at like maybe mastery of a skill versus feeling fulfilled by doing that thing over and over and over again. So a CFO, for example, they might love the numbers or were taught to love the numbers because that was their, their education. And that's the role they always had to play. But truly what they love is leading and grooming other people and making sure that they are at a decision point of how this business grows past where it is leveraging the fact that they are money mindset, you know, strong, and they can understand the numbers, but they don't like doing the numbers, right? They don't like being in that stance. So it's like, okay, well, actually you're more of a CRO. You're a chief revenue officer. Like how do we get you into that role and sell you that way so that you're out of the operating that's making you miserable every day that you have to create another freaking report. You know, like they're, they're just simple tweaks sometimes of understanding what fills you up. What would you do day in, day out, all day, all night, like wake up excited to do is where your zone of genius lies. And it's a little bit more um, broad mm-hmm. than just a specific skill. So that's the difference I have. So, so for me, you know, my zone of genius is helping others see who they truly are 
and finding ways to act in that truth every single day. And I can do that in so many different modalities, but I realized like for me to also be fulfilled by that, to, to leverage my zone of genius, I have to actually have freedom in how I do it. Mm. Right. Cause I could easily do that in someone else's company and be a full-time executive somewhere. Um, I could do that through teaching. I could do that through a mentorship program. Like there's so many different ways I could stand in my zone. But once I understood that and then took my skills against it, I was like, okay, now this is my zone of genius, like on fire. Like I can build a business. I can track clients in, I can create programming. I have the freedom to turn it on. I turn it off, whatever it looks like. Right. Um, is how I leverage my zone. How do you mm. describe your zone of genius? Yeah. I feel like you're the one that's helped me figure out my zone of genius in so many ways. I want to say it was four years ago in a room in New York city, like downtown yeah. Manhattan, where you were, um, walking four of us through our own zone of genius, where I came to you and I, and I believe if I looked back, I bet you, I have written the words unlocking leadership. Mm. And for me, the modality in which I do that best is through the hiring efforts of unlocking leadership by hiring the right teams around them. So they can step into their zone of genius yeah. and create a bigger ripple in the world. And so the same thing of understanding what their qualifications are so that they can, and, and truly not just qualifications, but what do they want? Like at the core of like, why are we doing what we're doing and yeah. what do we want to create here? That's the up-leveling. And often I just see time and time again, these founders just getting caught in the operational execution machine of feeling like they should is a word I hear so often. Stop, Stop shooting all over oh. yourself. Stop shooting. Well, if I'm asking my team to do it, I should do it too. Well, no, no it's well, pretty. So why we have the team to unlock you? So to that, be able and to just do so you know, gifting. that's enablement, not empowerment. Mm, there it is. Leaders empower, managers enable. Mm. Like leaders are empowering those that come to work with them. And if it's not working out and you're shooting all over yourself, then you either have to change who is working for you because they might not be performing well, or you got to change the role you're actually playing in your business. And that's the second exercise I do too, mm. to leverage this zone of genius. I love that. Speaking of, because I think even those type of differentiators between, are we, are we enabling something? Mm. Or are we empowering is language that's so powerful. I'm curious for you, how much of, hmm, the founder's dilemma, I'll call it, is actually between the ears with mindset. What do you see there? Mindset is like 95% of what leads a business anywhere because it's what's leading your life and how you lead your life. You're, that's why, you know, my first book was all self-care. My second book is all leadership because once you actually do the work on yourself, then you're like, how do I, how do I help others do the same? And all of a sudden you're finding you're like, I want to lead. And you don't know really how to step into leading. Um, it's an evolution within us. Right. So mindset though, is at the crux of it all. What you believe about yourself, what you believe about your business, what you believe about your team that lives between your two ears. And what you tell yourself and the language that you have and the things you are speaking and sharing, that's what you're calling back to you. So 
95, the other 5% is the doing Mm. is putting it into action because your actions display what you believe. And so I would say it's about 95%, all about mindset. And it's critical to flush out the dead weight that sits in between your ears of the stories that don't serve you. And you hear me say that all the time. It's like, let go of what no longer serves you because we are meant to evolve and grow, but we can't have a growth spurt if we're being held down by, you know, the, the gorilla mind or the gremlins Mm -hmm. that are holding us back. You cannot grow 10 inches. You can't go further on that scale that you want to go. And so, uh, yeah, mindset's a big part. And I think knowing yourself is where mastery uh, has to come into play. If you're going to sustain leading others and entrepreneurial productiveness, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I have such a deep belief that we have to lead ourselves first in order to lead others. And so it always starts within and then kind of correlates to the external of how you actually show up as a leader in this world in multiple different ways. That can be a leader of a business. That can be, if you're a solopreneur, there's so many ways that Even we in can your lead. Families. It's yeah, it. Your community. Yeah. yeah. Leadership shows up in, in yourself first and master that you can help others with ease. Yeah. It's, it's also, you, you mentioned something around, um, leaders often feeling like there's, there's nowhere to go to talk to some of these things about. And I find that it's why for me, having coaches in my corner has been such a pillar and investing in coaches has been such a pillar to my own growth personally and professionally over the last decade, both in corporate environments. And then as a entrepreneur as well, Yeah. honestly, it can feel lonely. It can feel like you're the only one going through what you're going through. And once I started working with coaches, it started to normalize the experience. It started to normalize the gremlins that were happening in between my, my ears and challenge me to think bigger and differently. And I know you've worked with coaches yourself as well. Like how has coaching played a role in your life, which has innately created this opportunity for you now to be the coach as well? Yeah. Um, it's, it's game changer when you can go and work with experts that have either gone before you or have a modality, a special specialty, uh, even a different skill set to learn from, you know, cause I think, I think coaches, mentors, advisors, you know, all, um, fall into the category you're talking about, which is helping you figure out for yourself the path you want to be on, the skill set you need to be on that path. And when the doubt comes in that it's normal, mm-hmm. right? That how you're feeling about it all, especially when it's new, that it's normal, right? It, it's okay that you're having that reaction. It's your reaction. Um, I think most I learned was like basically through therapy to truly accept myself. Um, and I'm still working on areas that I'm uncovering that I'm like, oh, that needs some work, you know, and then it's going to a coach, a mentor, an advisor on how, right? Like, how do I move through this? And if you went through it too, how did you go through it? You know, and having that dialogue, I think it's less lonely now in the sense of 
what's available today in the online a landscape of finding people faster mm-hmm. who to work with. Um, I would say though, you should still be discerning around who you choose to work with. Cause there are a lot of hacks out there that say one thing, but they don't produce it. So always, um, if anyone listening or watching is, is thinking about engaging with someone, um, and I just sent out the criteria of like what to look for when you're trying to hire a coach, because I think it's so important. Uh, you're going to need different coaches at different times Agreed. and, and to be flexible about that, but be clear on what it is at this moment you are trying to a- accomplish or learn about yourself or learn about business or change in your business, whatever that is, and make sure that whoever you choose to work with can prove to you that they've done that before that they have examples, that they've shown others the same, or that they can recount a story on how they did that in their own practice, because that will help you definitely assess if that person is right for you having a similar journey. Yeah. Even when it comes to the doubts, the, did you ever feel this in your business? And if they can't give you an authentic answer, they're, you know, blowing a little smoke. Mm, that's good. <laughs> that's I like and sorry, did you say you actually have a checklist on how to discern? Uh, I did. I think I just sent it out in one of my newsletters, but I'll, I can share that with you or put it up. I'll make sure that it's up on my site. So okay. you're, awesome. You're, we'll direct everyone there. Yeah. Your listeners can have access to it because it, it's something that I didn't learn. And I definitely spent money on the wrong people yeah. at the wrong time. And a lot, like, I like to say that my practice, like uh, investing in me, you're actually investing in hundreds of thousands of dollars that I invested in the wrong way (laughs) to to give you all the right stuff. Mm. You know, like it's so crazy how easy it is to spend on the wrong services because of a great marketing spin versus like what you actually get working with someone. And I'm an actionable person. I am focused on everybody's return on investment because that's how I spend my money. Right. right. So I want to make sure that whoever is in the room with me, whoever is engaging with me, like you will get tenfold what you invest in me because it's important for me for you to get that return from our time together. Yeah. And, and she, she means it when she says it. Yeah. She, I think I have a good track record. <laughs> I was just talking to a client, Jackie. Oh, I was so excited when she, she told me that she has now just in, in, we finally were able to initiate one change in her business. And she was able to launch a new one and already in the new business, she's close to seven figures. And it's not even like six months into the year. And I was like, girl, you got it. Like you got the formula, you got into action. I was just so pumped for her because she's been working so hard to get to that point and doing the work to get to it. And now it's like the machine is on and it's just, Oh, I love that. I love that. So one of the things if you've listen to a bunch of Kareen's podcasts as she, I know you, you still have a podcast or you had a podcast that you were so active in for so long, or if they follow along with you, there's been a really cool transition and something I've always known about you, but it's something that I think you're showing up and and speaking into a lot more in the last, I'll call it 18 to 24 months, which is this whole modality of wholeness as a entirety inclusive of using different modalities to tap into who you are and what you really want. Um, and I know breath work has been a big piece of your journey as well in the last little while, 
but you know, not everybody knows how woo woo you and I can be when Ooh, it comes to yeah. the spiritual <laughs> side of our choice to lead and how we lead. And I'm curious just for you to share a little bit more about your journey into kind of an inner knowingness and intuition and leveraging, you know, different somatic modalities like breath work to lead founders to the fullest potential that they have inclusive of yourself. Yeah. I I think my approach has always been at the core. It's like, we're all people, you know, the stuff we do is great. How we choose to earn great, who we choose to love great, but like who we are and the essence of who we are and the more we can do to truly know ourselves requires intuition. It requires alternative modalities to sit with yourself, to heal, to um, figure out new levels you can get to within so that when you're doing all those great things in exchange with others, like making money, building a business, having relationships, building your families, affecting your community. If you are not clear on self and like connected to self, the rest doesn't matter. You know? So I, I, my journey has always been a self-development journey or a self-enhancement and kind of journey to knowing myself better. And mainly from a place of not being seen and, or felt like I even had a voice or um, felt like I even mattered. I mean, most people know me today, but if you knew the inner voices of me through mainly until probably I was like 30, um, it was a lot of self-loathing and self-deprecation and pushing appearances forward where like, you would never know that about me because I looked successful, but on the inside, I was a crumbled mess. And so it has always been an undertone for me to unravel that because I knew my, my inner whispers, my spirit, my soul was telling me, no, Karine, it doesn't have to be this way. So like, let's get rid of all this muck that you've been having to fight through to survive and let's get aligned with who you truly are. And, and as I embarked on that journey, that's when great things started to happen, you know? And I think leaders getting to know themselves better and removing the mask of who they think they should be and start being who they are and then mastering the skill of communication and the skill of understanding and the skill of leadership and, and empowering others, these modalities matter. Like, I don't think I would be as strong in my seat today if I didn't discover breath work and leverage it through my stressful times, through my tears and my drama and my trauma and my all, all my mm -hmm. things that are so heavy that my clients do not need to see unless we have become friends, which obviously a lot of my clients become friends and then they do see it. Like, but it's something where in order for me to be my best stance in how I serve, I have to find the modalities for me to release what doesn't serve me or, or to just find the, the peaceful place to do it. So yeah. in my leadership work too, when I was becoming a executive coach and there are a lot of the teachings we have, you, and you've been through this too, it's about the inner workings. It's about the belief of self. It's about um, learning how to have a high self-care discipline 
in order to serve others. So it's always been a thread for me. Mm-hmm. And breathwork, becoming certified in breathwork, because I do this in every, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know, Jackie, I think I have like 25 something certifications of things because anything, anytime I love something for me, I go get certified in it because I know I'm going to share it with with whoever I'm working with. And so in in this past year, getting certified as a breathwork trainer was something that I integrated in because I felt the gifting for me. And I wanted to be able to do that for my community as well. That's just one of them. And Mm. I incorporated my meditation years ago. I learned um, Satya meditation, which is all about the truth, getting to the truth of you and learning about the chakra points. And I'm now a crystals person. Like I'm holding a crystal up for those that can't see on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. It's our love language. (laughs) Oh my gosh, completely. And I think I showed you the one that's now 150 pounds. Yes, you did. (laughs) Like that's not leaving this house. We'll forever have this house because that crystal can't go anywhere. It's so freaking heavy, but yeah, so it's, it's grounding for me Mm -hmm. to be at my best in my um, inner working time, but also to create the space that others feel welcome to do the same is, is really how I've tried to integrate that work into my practice, but why I also feel it's important for everybody to have some ritual of connecting to self, releasing what isn't meant for you anymore. So you can create an opening for what is and lead from that place and see what happens. Mm, I love it. It's uh, I'm so connected to so many different modalities myself, as you know, and could not agree more that oftentimes when we experience, when we have a lived experience with one of these modalities and we feel the transformation within our own essence, bodies, souls, it's in knowing you as a leader, uh, it's just innate to be like, okay, now how can I take this to more people so it can serve them? And that's always what I love about as we continue to grow. And I know you're so growth growth oriented, but as we continue to grow and evolve and continue to put ourselves in containers where I see this a lot with you, you know, you're going first or we're going first. It's because that then allows us to tap into a new modality to then serve the world in a different way. And I think for so many leaders, there's been paradigms or I saw paradigms and, you know, the kind of mid two thousands where leadership was kind of this box. And in order to fit the mold, you had to look and be this way. And it was a bit of the foundational story or narrative I had growing up in corporate America. And then, you know, fast forward 15 plus years later, I look back and I think, gosh, that box I've burnt and ripped up and thrown out a hundred times over because of how many new narratives we get to create along our journey, just through the unfolding, the people we meet, the new perspectives that we gain. But it's so, for me, it's always been so important to have people in lockstep with you along that journey that you can go to in an unbiased way and just share what you're going through so that you can have those openings for new perspectives. Yeah. It's why I always sign off like on my letter, always walking alongside you. Yeah. Because I, I, even if I have so many people tell me like, oh my God, you were in my head the other day. And uh, you know, what would Kareen do? And you know, it's all this, like, they literally have me Mm. in their ear when they want, or, or just memory of work together that they do that. But also my energy of, I'm always trying to put this energy that I'm alongside you. 
Yeah. I've even done exercises. And I don't know if you've done this with any clients, Jackie, when they're in their like freak out moments of what to do next, I will literally go and like stand next to them. Mm -hmm. I said, now with me right here next to you, how would you make this decision? How does it change how you would step forward? Because you're not alone in it. I'm right here, right? And if it's not me, someone else is right here with you. Like to feel it also is important. And we can do that from an energetic space at any given time. That's why learning these other modalities to realize, wait, I can just tap into my spirit council is right there with me. Like if I want to drop into meditation right now, it is a large circle of other energies that sit with me. So I know I'm not alone, mm -hmm. even though I might be physically taking a step on my own. It is never just for me. It's for my clients. It's for my family. It's for others in it with me. Mm -hmm. So I love that you're bringing this up because I do think that loneliness, especially people are feeling in this day, because as much as we have so many modalities to connect virtually, digitally, whatever, and sometimes we're fortunate to get the physical connection too, it's that energetic connection to self and others that actually can transcend all of it and make you feel less alone in any given moment. I love that. Speaking of having Kareen in your pocket. Do you not have an app called Hey Kareen that people can actually pick your brain if they need to? <laughs> like, it's so, I love that you I just tried, said that. Because I'm I like, I actually feel like we have an app for that. So tell me more yeah. about what Hey Kareen is. I know. Well, Hey Kareen is newly launched this year, so I'm still building it out. Um, but it is a, <clears throat> excuse me, monthly membership where you get on the go, on demand, coaching from me mm -hmm. or direct access to me. Um, via, it's a group membership. So it's basically right now via Voxer. And as you're in it and you have questions or you're feeling this stuckness or you're feeling a celebration and you don't know even who to celebrate with, that's what this platform's for. So you literally can message, Hey, Kareen, it all starts with Hey, Kareen, because that's generally how my clients reach out to me. How do I where do I, what do I, whatever that question is, and you get a live response from me to help you out. And I think more and more people need the on-demand, on-the-go access to experts. Um, and with my modality and also with my value system, you know, it's a very particular group, <laughs> I would say, that comes together, but it's all with that energy of growth and getting through things, not feeling stuck behind or, or by, and wanting the support and accountability to step forward in, in the business that you are trying to lead. So yeah. that's what Hey Kareen is all about. You are so right. It is so, the on-demand is so needed in today's day and age. The amount of times so often you'll, you'll get an executive coach and you'll have a one hour session once a week. And that's kind of your access point to them. And I remember with one of my last executive coaches, like I had the back page of a notebook just filled with stuff every week of all these experiences that had shown up in the moment that I wanted to kind of work through or talk through. And yet I kept imagining like, what would it feel like to be able to have on speed dial? Like, okay, I'm in it. I'm yeah. that thing we talked about last week. I'm in it. How do we work through it now? Because I'm feeling all this way, which 
maybe at the time I wasn't able to articulate when I'm on my one hour kind of coaching call. And now that I'm here, I've seen it through a different lens. So you guys, if you are listening and you have always wanted access to a coach in your pocket, literally on your cell phone, this is something you got to check out because having access to this woman and tapping into her zone of genius and all the expertise she can bring you is just. Yeah. And everybody gets access to my strategic life planning program. Like if you join, so, and that's its own separate, you know, program that walks you through my fundamentals, which is what you learned in, um, AYG, my accelerate your growth program, which is basically the structure at which I work with every single client, which is getting clarity on your vision, Mm. figuring out, okay, who do you have to become in order to make that vision happen? And then this is how you break it down into goals and actions and be held accountable in this Hey Kareen group. So it's, it's pretty wild. I, I'm excited about it because I, I realized for me, I love the live Q and a mm-hmm. like I, what challenge are you facing right now? And you ask me, like, I, I jump on the, uh, the opportunity to serve and help and, and guide. And so it was my closest way to figure out how do I do that at scale <laughs> with a group, um, so that I can serve more people. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited it. about it. Love it. So brilliant. All right. That's one way to get a hold of you. What are some other ways that people can get access to you, learn about you, follow along on your journey? Yeah. So everything, you know, for Hey Kareen is heykareen.com. So that's really easy. And it's K-A-R-E-E-N. Uh, then you have kareenwalsh.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S is where you get all my like downloadables, access to my um, books and my podcast and anything new coming up. So even if you want to jump into a breathwork session, the links are there as well. I try to centralize and keep it easy because if I don't, then I go crazy. (laughs) So so all things are at kareenwalsh.com. But if you're needing also like any of the strategic uh, coaching or consulting in your business and wanting some augmented help there. Um, that's revampologist.com, but obviously kareenwalsh.com is how you find me. Beautiful. We'll link everything up in the show notes so that you have easy access. You can just grab it and take a look yourself. And as always, um, I know Karina and I love any feedback, or if you listen to something and there was something that really stood out to you, let us know. You can always get access to us, send us a DM. We love just connecting with you and what actually impacted your head and most importantly, your heart in our episode today. So Kareen, thank you for being on the show. I am beyond grateful for you in so many ways, but loved being able to share your wisdom this way. Thank you, Jackie. And I'm so proud to be part of your journey and also see how much you've grown since we've met each other, but truly to call you a friend and, and share this life with you. I mean, thank you for having me on your show. We'll see you next time guys on the Jackie Super Show. Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also to continue to keep this podcast growing, it would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend. Our team is forever grateful until next time. We'll see you again on the Jackie service show.